Hey, you're just in time for some great football history. We have an episode today where we're going to talk about a legendary player at receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 1980s. He might be one of their best receivers of all time, and he came in this 23rd pick of the 1984 draft. There's more on this player coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition of Football History, where we will talk about some Pittsburgh Steelers football history. And uh, we have an interesting subject tonight. We're going to talk about a receiver that I grew up with, uh, one of the... uh, top receivers in Steelers history that many people have forgotten about and uh, we'll get to him in just a moment but before we do let's make sure that you are aware that we have podcasts that come out every day now there might not be a new podcast we've cut down on those a little bit in recent months but we always have a podcast available for you each and every day the front page of Pixie Dispatch is a great way to get to that or by signing up for our newsletter, which is easily done by the show notes of this very podcast or on top of pigskindispatch.com or jerseydispatch.com. But there's always a podcast available, so don't worry if we don't have a new one dropping off in your favorite podcast aggregate. Now, let's get to our subject. Our subject today is Louis Lips. Now, we love to take time and remember these players that make a difference, and that's exactly what Louis Lips did in a, an era where... The Steelers weren't as good as they were the decade before. Now, May 1st, 1984. It was the year that the last of the Super 70s Steelers were starting to hang up their NFL careers. I'm sure there were some guys left over from there. Terry Bradshaw was still on a team and uh, not uh, what he was a few years earlier. John Stallworth was getting up in years too. He was on a team. Franco Harris was on a team. And a few few others were. But the front office was scrambling to try to figure out how to rebuild this Pittsburgh Steelers team and sort of keep them great. Now, the Steelers weren't bad in the year before, in 1982. They had a very respectable 10-6 and record. But one glaring need that they had was a passing game. They were very oriented on the run. The Black and Gold uh, scored 355 points in 16 games that they had played, which just averages over 22.19 points per game. Not bad. It will, it will definitely win you some games. You'll probably be like 10 and 6. Now, the offense for the year was ranked 14th out of 28 NFL franchises, so right smack dab in the middle in 1983. But the future Hall of Famer, four-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, Terry Bradshaw, was still on the team, but he could only play in one game in 1983 due to injury. So the team relied on Cliff Stout and a backup named Mark Malone 
to quarterback the offense. Now Stout threw for just over 2,550 yards, and Malone and Bradshaw combined for a sweet total of 200 yards through the air. A 33-year-old Franco Harris etched out another 1,000-yard season, while backups running backs Frank Pollard and Walter Abercrombie also showed some promise and uh, gave some yardage on the ground as well. Under the offensive coordinator of Tom Moore, they were extremely one-sided, and that being the run-oriented offense that uh, made the Steelers hard to deal with. But the leading receiver for Pittsburgh in 1983 was Calvin Sweeney, who had 577 yards, followed by tight end Benny Cunningham with 442 yards. Now, it was an injury-plagued year for Hall of Fame wide out John Stallworth, who only managed to play in four games and catch just eight passes for even 100 yards. Now, Greg Hawthorne, another receiver on the team, added another 300 yards receiving. So the bottom line is that the Steelers needed to produce a better passing game to stay competitive keep a balanced run and pass attack that was starting to become quite prevalent with the rise of some of these West Coast offenses like the San Francisco 49ers and some others that were having some success swinging the ball around. He needed to have a strategy to get some personnel to be able to do that in this 1984 draft to accomplish those needs of getting that passing game going. And there were some pretty promising collegiate wide receivers ready to join the NFL that year, like Irving Fryer from Nebraska, Kenny Jackson from Penn State, Clyde Duncan of Tennessee. But the Steelers did not have a selection until the 23rd overall pick out of 28 teams. So they would uh, have to dig a little bit deeper than the so-called obvious big names available at that position of wide receiver. Now, besides the other 27 NFL teams, the Steelers faced another form of competition for talent that offseason, and that was a new league that had started, the original United States Football League, or USFL. They were coming into their own in 1984. Now, on draft day 1984, the, the question was, who could the Steelers draft? It would certainly have to be a stud receiver, one would think. Fryer went off the board to New England with the first pick. Ended up having a pretty good career. Now Jackson and Duncan soon followed suit afterwards in uh, the first 17 picks. Uh, most, you know, All of those ahead of Pittsburgh. Jackson and Duncan had were alright. They weren't the superstars that they were projected to be. So all of the obvious choices of wide receiver appeared to be gone. But wait a second. You're not talking about just any franchise. The Steelers scouting department was well known for sifting through the smaller schools to find talent, especially in the southern states, in the traditionally uh, African-American and black colleges. And they went down and they found one of those small schools down in the southern states. And uh, the breaks for the Steelers were already starting ahead of the draft. The USFL's New Orleans Breakers relinquished their territorial rights for whatever that was worth for a young man from southern Mississippi named Louis Lips. Now, in Lips' final two seasons with the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, he amassed 80 catches for 1,268 yards and seven touchdowns. And get this, he had 63 punt returns for 740 yards and one touchdown. Now, Lips would be the choice the Steelers would take with a 23rd overall selection in that 1984 draft. 
and he, he was probably one of the more brilliant selections that the Steelers had done in the 1980s. With the selection of lips, veteran John Stallworth took the Southern Miss product under his wings and showed him the on-field and off-field ropes of being an NFL wide receiver. Matter of fact, in the opening game of his rookie year, Lips burned the highly touted and veteran Kansas City Chiefs secondary. It was not an illusion either, as he completed the 1984 season with 45 catches for 860 yards, or just over 19 yards per catch, and he scored 11 total touchdowns as a rookie. Number 83 was also voted to both the AFC All-Pro and the Pro Bowl teams that year as the kick returner when he led the NFL with 656 punt return yards. After just one game and one year, Steelers Nation was happy about the rookie playmaker that they had selected in that 1984 draft, and Louis Lips was off to a great start as a wide receiver and a returner in the NFL. Now, Lips continued to play well after that year one, too. Now, Lips was at the top or near the top of the team in receptions from 1988 to 1991. The Southern Miss product tied for the lead with Merrill Hodge, a running back in 1988, and then he led the team in receiving three times, 1989, 90, and 91. Now, at the time of this writing in 2023, uh, Lewis Lips is currently in fifth place all-time for the Steelers franchise with his 358 receptions and fifth in receiving yards with just over 6,000 yards. Now, we've got Louis Lips's career stats for the Pro Football Reference shown here, and he had uh, some great uh, seasons in his eight years with Pittsburgh, and he had one final year in 1992 within the New Orleans Saints uh, to finish off his career. Wasn't uh, really a lot that he, he did there but uh, with the Saints, but he was on their, their roster. Now, we have more about... Uh, Lewis Lips and his great career and some of his background on our Pigskin Dispatch webpage for this uh, article and you can follow the links to get right to it through the show notes of this podcast and again we thank you for joining us and thank you for enjoying the football history as we have something coming up for you every day like we said maybe not a a brand new podcast every day but we have related articles and uh, many items popping up each and every day that you can see through our newsletter or going to the front of pigskindispatch.com so make sure you take advantage of those resources until next time everybody have a great gridiron day Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.